0: Today is episode 71 and I'd like to just preemptively, if I get this episode out in time, wish you guys a Merry Jitsmas and I hope you get some, some happy new gear. <laughs> but I've been, saying, I've been saying that for a year because uh, for the past few years I've been getting a, a nice gear for Christmas. So I'm like, I think I'll stick with that little shtick, Merry Jitsmas. <laughs> uh, what are you hoping for, for Christmas anyway, Jake? You uh, a fancy schmancy new gear or just a fancy new gear? uh probably fancy
1: spancy would be better than just fancy
0: <laughs> uh what's your what's your <laughs> preference by the way like you show your old man or what's your what's your taste a hyperfly oh yeah i like, got uh, i really like their geese i mm, uh, see i'm not too big into their geese but one thing i really do like is their belts that say you can't teach art in them that's those are some good shit, in my opinion
1: sure.
0: <laughs> have, in you my... The,
1: have you tried the judo fly yet
0: you off know, fly uh not nah, get dude, a new
1: gi that's the gee you gotta try that's the one i compete in all the time it's the best gi to compete in
0: uh dude see uh get this <laughs> uh i own like i've owned 27 gis and they're all by tatami because i'm a bit obsessed i just i just fucking love tatami <laughs> i've said this a million times and everyone's like man why don't you fucking just marry tatami by the since and just <laughs> shut up about it for fuck's sake because I, I never shut up about it <laughs> okay so jake so guys obviously jake mckenzie needs no introduction he's a fucking legend in the jiu-jitsu, spe- jiu-jitsu sphere the fucking the man at half guard and deep half guard you know like i didn't know i didn't even know what the fuck deep half guard was until jake mckenzie came and taught me my first seminar coincidentally <laughs> massive coincidence there uh, so jake how'd you get into jiu-jitsu anyway did you train anything before starting it
1: um so i trained karate a little bit when i was a kid like very briefly, like for like six or seven months, I really didn't like it. I wasn't really good with like the left and right. So when they would teach the katas. I remember everybody got graded except for me in the grading because I didn't know how to go left or right. Like, every it would go, uh, turn left and I go right, or you'd say, go, go left and I go right, you know. Um, so I did like a little bit of martial arts, like maybe, like I said, like maybe six months or a year in karate when I was really young. I didn't really enjoy it. And, uh, I remember I was in grade, I just finished grade six. I was telling my dad that I wanted to take me to the boxing club because I would watch boxing with my dad all the time. And uh, the same summer that I was kind of getting interested in maybe trying to go into the boxing club, um, my dad told me, he said, hey, there's these Brazilian guys in town. You should go try to class with them. And I was like, I don't really want to do like karate again. And I was like, I'd like to do boxing. He's like, no, these guys could beat a boxer up, you know. And he took me to the club with him because my dad trained for about a year. Um, I was, uh, I was like maybe a couple of months away from my 12th birthday. And I was really lucky. Like I'm from a tiny little small place in in Nova Scotia, like in the East coast of Canada. So like where I'm from has a population of like 10,000 people. And there was a dude there and he was like a martial arts enthusiast. And he had a, uh, he had a pretty good financial situation and he ended up going to New York to train with Enzo. He went to Brazil to train with the Gracies and he ended up bringing Carlos Gracie Jr. back with Marcio Fatoza, who was the world champion at the time at Black Belt. And they taught in my little town in the middle of nowhere. Um, I think Mar- Carlos was there for three months. I think Marcio was there for five months. Um, that's where I got started in Jiu Jitsu. Um, and then they brought back another guy they brought back another instructor. His name was Marcio as well It's not the same guy, uh, but he ended up doing university and I did a lot of the kids belts with him like yellow and orange and uh, it was it was good for me because When they were switching teachers there when they had Carlos in the first Marcio there was quite a few people It was like maybe 30 people in the class Then everything kind of slowed down because we didn't have an instructor and when the other Marceau came back, there wasn't very many people in the classes. There was like me and two other people. And there would be a lot of nights where it would be just me and him. So, like, I get private lessons almost all the time because I go to normal class. But it would just be me and him or me and one other person. Um, so that's how I got started. I got started when I was, like, you know, almost 12 years old. Uh, hmm. And now I'm 35. So I've been training for going on 24 years almost.
0: Man, you've been doing jiu-jitsu long and I've been alive for fuck's sake. <laughs> also, man, like you said, you're from uh, Nova Scotia. Like how far are you from like Cape Breton? Because I had Kent Peters on before and he told me that there's like, they're very indignant about that the distinction between the two.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Cape Breton part of Nova Scotia. Um, well, don't like, don't let Kent, Kent Peters you Peters say go. that. Don't let you say that. Kent's my black belt so I can get away with it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) No, but uh, Cape Breton's probably maybe three or four hours from Churro. Um, Man, Cape Breton's an amazing place. The people there are are like, they're not like anywhere else in the world. You know, they're so friendly there. It's like you're going back in time 30 years. Everybody's so friendly. You walk down the street, people are saying hi to you. Cape Breton's are just awesome people every time i go up there i have a, a great time and now all the guys at kent school are, are really good dudes i'm really happy to have them um under the gft banner too they're really good dudes mm. man
0: i don't know how i'd handle cape Breton I'm, i if everyone's too friendly because i'm like man why are you so fucking friendly what's wrong with you
1: <laughs>
0: you know how it is what's
1: well, similar to ireland everybody's really nice in ireland at least in the experiences i've been there uh but you know if it but like the way you're describing it's like Overly
0: super friendly, like you think they're up to something, like they have ulterior motives or some shit. Like to say, you turn away, they're going to stab you and take your money <laughs>
1: in a nice way. No, they're, too, they're, they're all tough. I know that because whenever I go down there to teach a seminar, I watch those guys roll each other, try to kill each other. Ken's got a lot of really good students there. Um, all real tough guys, but real nice guys
0: too. <laughs> I bet. Is there anything uh, in particular that you struggled with in your early days of training? Like, was, was there a certain technique or concept that just wasn't sinking in for a bit?
1: Everything, honestly, like I was never really good at sports when I was a kid. Um, I tried a little bit of everything when I was a kid and I was not very athletic or coordinated in anything. And uh, when I first started doing jujitsu, I was in the kids' classes because they would separate the classes. And I was heavier when I was a kid. I was overweight. So always like if we were playing baseball or basketball or soccer, um, my weight was always like a disadvantage to me because I wasn't very athletic and in jitsu I was a little bit heavier than the other kids, so it was kind of like an advantage. I could lay my weight on them. So I kind of got like, I shouldn't say I had like success early. Like I didn't really know any moves, but I was, I would kind of like rough the other kids up and I wouldn't use technique. I'd like strangle them. I'd grab them by the throat or I'd like power bomb them when the teacher wasn't looking. I was a little dick and the kids got—I didn't want any kids to beat me because I was like, okay, I finally found something I'm good at. But I wasn't good. I was just bigger than the other kids, you know? <laughs> so none of the kids lasted in the kids' class. I made them all quit pretty much. And uh and then I was the only kid that got bumped up to the adult's class and I was 12 years old. And the first week I was in adults class, all the adults took it easy on me. I was like, oh, this is and I was convinced that I could beat men up. Like I was like, oh my god, I'm so good. I can like beat this grown man up. And then after like a week, these guys that were like in the gym. Where I'm from is a small little town like it wasn't like there was like doctors and lawyers doing the classes guys that work in the woods or steel workers like guys that do like hard manual labor, you know, and uh, After about a week, they started beating up on me in the classes and I honestly didn't tap anybody Or I don't think almost scoring points for like three years. I just go to class and I get the shit kicked out of me And I would just like focus on surviving and I would go home and I fucking cry sometimes. When I get home and be like, "Someday I'm gonna beat those guys up. Just one <laughs> day, you know." And by the time I was, a lot of guys in the class I could beat up, but mm. it was like a three years of growing pains. Mm.
0: Well, man, you know what they say? Uh, wanting to beat someone up is like one of the best motivators out there, bar none.
1: <laughs> well, it kept me going. It kept me going because I was I was not having a lot of success for a long period of time
0: god damn man yo dude see one thing I'm always curious about each of my guests is like your first experience in competition like how to go for you like uh usually I want to preface it like okay what went wrong because everyone usually if your first competition you're gonna get the shit kicked out of you more often than not but you know there's a few rare examples of people flying triangling people was one of them someone said they fly and triangle someone in their first match I'm like okay uh that's a good way to get disqualified but whatever <laughs>
1: I know for me, the first time I competed in jujitsu was 2001 at the Pan Ams and I was juvenile blue belt. So I was like, uh, maybe 15 and the coach that was there at the gym, Marcio, he told my dad, he was like, cause I just, I could start to beat up some of the men in the class, like the guys that weren't so good. Um, Sometimes I would catch them or I could, like, sweep them. And Marcio was like, hey, you should take him to the Pan Ams to compete um, if that's something he's interested in. My dad talked to me about it, and I was like, okay, cool, let's go. So Marcio ended up going back to Brazil, so I went with my dad. My dad only trained Jiu-Jitsu for a year. Marcio never really really went over the rules for competition because there was no competitions in Canada at the time. There was one competition in all of Canada, and it was like a 20-hour drive from where I'm from. You know, so me and my dad rolled up to the Pan Ams and I didn't know any of the rules. I like tried to like, I knew that like a sweep was two. I know I knew the points kind of, but I didn't know anything about like stabilizing the points or any of the intricacies of the rules. And uh, I remember I only had like eight guys in my division and the first guy didn't show up. So I got right into the final four right away. I got into the semifinals. And I actually ended up fighting a guy from Japan, this kid from Tokyo, from a really good school there. And uh, he ended up winning the whole thing. And I actually gave him a really good match. I lost to him two to two. And at the end of the match, I didn't know if I won. I didn't know if he won. I didn't know what the score was. And then they raised his hand. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I gave him a, a good fight. It seemed pretty even, you know. And then in the finals, he smoked the guy. And then that year, he won the Worlds, too. Um, so I went out. F- in my first fight there but it was a good experience like i didn't feel like i was completely like over my head you know
0: mm. nah that's way better than how most people do at their first competition hundred thousand percent like what uh what's it uh i know one guy got put to sleep in his first fight i know that's it well me personally i got disqualified in my first fight that was fun <laughs> for uh air quotes slam i'm like man any anyone i showed it it's a baby slam go way out of here <laughs> No, thanks. You know how it is. All right. See, while we're on the topic of competitions, do you have a preferred rule set to compete under? Like, what, what's your favorite one?
1: So I've I've always grew up competing in the IBJJF. That was something that I've always been used to that rule set. I've competed in a couple of different rule sets. Like, I've done the ADCC trials in Brazil. Um, ADCC is de- definitely a different rule set. I think if you want to go that route, you have to really train specifically for the rules because – Especially without the Gi on the rule set change, it's almost like a completely different sport. You know, A lot of it's more wrestling-heavy. Um, but lately, I've been competing in the AGP Tour, like the UAE. Um, they're the guys that do the Abu Dhabi World Pro. They do all the Grand Slams. And they've just come out with a new rule set, and uh, they just started to implement it this year. And they've done three big tournaments um, with the new rule set, and I did the new rule set twice. And I honestly thought the rule set would be really hard to um, – to adapt to because it's different from the point system in the IBJJF, but I really liked it. Um, so basically, advantages are worth a point instead. So like, mm. let's say that I sweep you, but you almost armlock me three times. Well, you beat me three to two because you had three advantages, and I only had the sweep. And what it's based on is volume of of output. So like, if they think, okay, you know, Jake and Andrew are fighting. Jake was able to get a sweep right at the start. And then Andrew almost submitted him three times. Who really won the fight? Probably you, you know, you almost finished me three times. So I've done the rule set twice. I really liked it. The matches are shorter. They're five minute matches. Um, And I think it's much more um, spectator friendly. Mm. Another thing too, is the stalling calls. You can't, you can't stop for 10 seconds. If you stop for 10 seconds, they hit you with a call right away. And if you get the stalling call, it's a point for your opponent. Uh. So I think like, it's going to be a lot more spectator friendly for jujitsu. I think in the IBJJF, it's going to be hard for them to sell, you know, 10 minute black belt matches where the guys can stall the whole fight. Um, It's going to be really hard to sell that to people that don't do jujitsu, you know? Mm. Um, So I think the shorter matches with more stalling calls and more points is going to be a lot more viewer friendly. And, uh, yeah, I really like what the AGP is doing. I think they're, they're taking jiu-jitsu in a good direction. Mm.
0: Now, there's just two things I want to address there. First of all, let, thanks for letting me win in this little hypothetical scenario. <laughs> <If> <laughs> prefer, thanks for letting me win in the little, the little hypothetical scenario. I said that's the only way I could possibly even potentially beat you, but <laughs> the next one, like with the recent news of the IBGF, like allowing they're going to legalize heel hooks and knee reaps soon, like what's your, what's your thinking about that?
1: I think, for, I think for Noki, I think that's great. Um, I think, like the IBJJF Worlds, uh, Nogi Worlds, if you look at the level of competition there, man, the last couple of years have been crazy. Like, you look at middleweight, like the guys that were signed up for middleweight, you know, all killers, lightweight, middle heavyweight. um, I don't think... It's definitely not as prestigious as ADCC, and ADCC definitely does have a, a deeper bracket, but man, IBJJF Nogi Worlds every year gets tougher. Um, if you look at the tournament now compared to 10 years ago, man, it's a super high-quality tournament. It's the second toughest Nogi tournament in the world, you know? And I think them adding heel hooks to it is going to bring more people that are good at that skill set into, uh, into their tournament, and it's going to make it... I honestly think in 10 years it could be the same level, maybe even less, as ADCC, you know? And everybody talks about ADCC, how it's much more exciting and this and that. Well, I watched the last ADCC. There were some amazing matches. You know, Dante, Leon versus Lepre was a really good match. Um, There was a a ton of good matches that I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, Tonin had some really good matches. Um, JT had some really good matches. But there was also some snores, too. Like, I watched the finals and it was like 20 minutes of bad wrestling. (laughs) <laughs> the guy's just head-slapping each other and waiting for the time to run down, you know? And people shit on the IBJJF all the time. They're like, oh, man, it's 10 minutes of the guy's butt scooting. Well, I'd rather watch a 10-minute boring match than a 30-minute boring match, you know? Yeah, I get you. Because, uh, you know, like, it's like... like the, the little kid's upstairs. My little, my little niece is upstairs. She's running around.
0: I thought I, I bumped off my mic I thought it was like reverberation like did I just no, break? No, the right was,
1: episode? one of the kids must have fell down
0: <laughs> did he break fall I hope so man man oh man I remember the day after I got my blue belt I got hit with the nastiest fucking power double you ever saw I didn't see it coming so I didn't I didn't break fall I got slammed like a motherfucker I got winded and then a, a microsecond after getting winded Shoulder in the gut, winded again, double winded in a fraction of a second. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> the brake fall
1: doesn't save you there, I don't think.
0: Ah, uh, well, in my defence, like we were just drilling them, and then suddenly, <laughs> power double. I'm like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> okay, so man, I got a few uh, questions that I tailor made for like coaches and all them. Say, personally, for you. What's, like, the first thing you teach a beginner's class? Like, say, new pool of beginners, day one, what's the first thing you teach them?
1: Um, probably a lot of, like, how to do front rolls, back rolls, shrimps. Um, that's one thing that I think that – so I – where I was teaching now, I was teaching all advanced classes. I wouldn't teach the beginner's class very much. But Vitor, who was over at Fergal's Place, he's a, he's a phenomenal instructor and – he would always stress about, you know, teaching people how to roll, teaching people how to break fall properly, because I think a lot of people get hurt initially because they, you know, you learn the break falls, you learn the rolls a couple of times and stuff like that. But sometimes you don't focus so much on those things, but I'd say that's one thing. And another thing too, would be instead of teaching so much technique, teaching people kind of like what they want to do in certain situations, just positionally like, okay, you're getting the guy's close guard. You know, you want to have both your hands on the belt. You want to bring the belt up on his chest. You want to keep your elbows closed, good posture, and look straight ahead, you know, and really focus on those little things first because if you can win those little battles, then you can start to put the techniques together. A lot of times when, especially for me, I think, or for anybody that's learning Jiu-Jitsu at the start, you learn a lot of techniques, and it takes a long time to start to absorb those techniques and see how they work together, you know. Um mm-hmm. uh, So I'd say those would be two things, you know, teaching people how to fall properly, you know, so they don't get hurt and kind of teaching people, okay, you're in this situation. More than focusing on the technique, focus on positionally what you should do in this position, you know.
0: Mm. Now, dude, I think you're right on the money about teaching people to fall properly because so many people are always complaining about, oh, people get injured so much when they're wrestling or when they're doing judo trials. Like, no, they do not. They get injured because they don't know how to fall properly. There's nothing wrong with wrestling or judo. Sure. Don't, don't even, don't even try to make that argument. You know, some of these people yeah, are just driving crazy. Yeah, and that's crazy. judo
1: or wrestling. They, you t- they teach you so much how to fall. A lot of it is the falling, you know, and you get all those hours of practice and Those guys know how to fall so good.
0: Mm. And, man, like, do you ever see, like, those high-level wrestling matches when they just, they get taken down, but they're, like, scrambling like a lunatic to not be pinned? Like, that's, that's some crazy shit right there.
1: So some of the best, some of the best athletes in the world, wrestlers or judokas, you know? Mm. Now, see, here's something interesting. I've I've told this on
0: the podcast before, but like, uh, do you ever know, like, why some of those ancient Greek philosophers were like wrestlers and really good athletes as well? Like, but see, like the reason they did that is because their definition of what a genius was is someone who's at the peak of their physical and mental, like, uh, sort of performance. That was their sort of thinking.
1: Sure, it makes
0: sense, man. It's human chess. <laughs> like, man. man, I'm fucking, what's it? I think, I bet you the guys who, uh, what's it, the head coaches of Checkmat feel like they're re- real smart about coming up with that. It's like, aha, it's human chess, Checkmat. Or, We're pretty <laughs> clever about that, aren't we? <laughs> 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 to be fair, it is a really good really good team and a really good name. It so. is a really good team. So, like, I won't begrudge them for coming up with a good name at all. <laughs> Oh then see what would your sort of coaching style be would you focus more on drilling positional sparring or just free rolling like what's if you know which one of them takes up the most amount of time in your classes
1: I think uh I think there's a time and place for all three a lot of people lean one way or the other oh we're going to just roll we're going to just drill we're going to just do situational I think all three of them are super important I think especially situational like Honestly, I've really changed my training over the last couple of years. Like my first couple of years of black belt, I used to go in every day to the gym. And at GF Team, it's just sparring rounds in the afternoon. So I would just go in, I'd, I'd wake up in the morning, I'd go run for like 40 minutes on the beach. I'd do some type of like uh, calisthenics, like push ups, chin ups. I'd grab the bus, I'd go to the gym, I'd do like in between 10 or 15 rounds of sparring, I'd bust back. I'd get a shower, eat something, and then I would go to the gym at night and lift weights. And I did that for a while, and I had I had a lot of success the first year that I was a black belt. And the second year, I had a lot of success, but in bigger matches against the best guys in the world, I would make little mistakes, and I would lose by, like, two points, or, you know, at the very end of the match, I would blow it. And I talked to Julio about this, and Julio told me, he's like, hey, you need to drill more. And I was like, what are you, I was like... I hate drilling, I, it's so fucking boring, is what I would say, you know, and he'd be like, yeah, well, you're going to keep making little mistakes if you don't learn how to do the building blocks of where you're making mistakes, he's like, your game is super strong in certain areas, and super weak in other areas, he said, like, you're super unbalanced, he's like, you're probably one of the best half guard players in the world, but if somebody looks at you hard when you're on top, you fall over, you have no passing, you know, So he goes, give me like three or four months with you where we're drilling every day. And so he came in and he started running a drilling class like at 10 in the morning. And there wasn't that many people. There was like six to eight people in the class. And I kind of made him a promise, like a deal that I would come to the classes. And man, I started winning like big matches, like matches that like I was starting to get over the hump against like the better guys in Brazil in my division. And I started winning so much and competing so much. That I started to get really like complacent with the drilling. I would go sometimes, I wouldn't go sometimes, and I remember I lost, uh, I lost a couple of matches. I lost two tournaments in a row. I lost in the finals in both of them. And me and Julio had a meeting, and he was like, "What do you think was the difference in those tournaments?" I was like, oh, no, I just made a couple of mistakes and I blew it." You know, like I don't know, I was on a really good run and I just didn't put it together. He's like, "You stop drilling. You got to get back with the drilling." I think position training, a lot of people don't agree with me on this, but this is just the way that I learn. Like, me and my wife are here in quarantine. We have mats here. We've been drilling like three hours every day. You know, I think it's so fundamentally important to learn how to do the things mechanically correct, and then learn how to connect those movements with other movements, and then once you get that, then you need to go to the specific training, and specifically train that position, so you know how the person reacts. And then uh, obviously rolling is super important too, you know? But I think all three definitely have their their own certain place in, in your training regimen. Remember,
0: well, what was the thing? At fucking... different times,
1: we would discuss things. I would give him my opinion. And he's right all the time, so now I just shut up. Whenever he tells me to do something, I just do it. Because, you know, there's been times where I thought that he wasn't right before, and I, like, shot myself in the foot. And I was like, okay, if I wasn't so fucking stupid, I, and I would have listened to him six months beforehand i would be six months further progressed than where i'm at now you know so now whenever he just tells me to do anything, i just take his word for it because i know he's one of the best coaches in the world
0: Mm. yeah see man we got some really good fucking questions off of the instagram and the reddit here like these i i wouldn't hazard i'd hazard to say i wouldn't hazard to say that these are the best fucking questions i've received so far Hands down. So, Evan McCarty13 asks, if you were a character from Trailer Park Boys, which one
1: would it be? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's so good. uh, I don't know. I like them all so much. Let me think. I'd have to go with Ricky.
0: I fucking love Ricky, man. There's this video on YouTube. It's like 10 years old. It's called ricky It's like, well, man. all the time. Dude, it's such a great view. It's like, well, man, uh, a fucking a fucking a toad so, a fucking a toad or so, or uh, <laughs> let's bury the hand shit. or no, what was it? It's a, uh, burn burn the hatchet. That's let's burn the hatch. The boat ends. <laughs> That's a
1: like. Oh my god, He's my favorite.
0: Like, man, here's I love Trailer Park Boys, and man, I have a semi decent impression of Bubbles. I'll get back to that in a minute. But see, here's one thing that sort of killed the show for me. Like, uh, it's sort of overexposed. Like, there's Trailer Park Boys, there's Trailer Park Boys in Europe, there's. Trailer Park Boys animated adventures. There's, like, a movie. I didn't know there was a movie. And uh, I think that's it. But, like, there's a bit too much Trailer Park Boys, in my opinion.
1: I really liked all the first seasons. It's funny because, so, the Trailer Park Boys are from Nova Scotia. They're from the same part of Canada that I'm from. And when they released their very first movie, which is, like, fuck, I don't know, like 15 years ago, me and a friend of mine, we were security For them, So we drove in the van with them to the movie premiere. We sat with them in the movie premiere in Halifax. And there was probably like 150 or 200 people in the thing. It wasn't super packed, you know. Um, But it was a really cool experience. I got to meet those guys a little bit. And uh, on top of having an awesome TV show, they're all super nice guys too. Really down to earth, very cool, humble. So I'm, I'm big fans of theirs, man. They're awesome
0: okay now to get back to my uh, bubbles impression now uh, i've been working on this just a little bit some people i got mixed reception some people say it's a good impression some people say it's bad so uh, <clears throat> well guys it's, fu- it's fucking Rick, ricky fucking Julia, god fucking steel Jake because half guard dvds and I was broken into my fucking house <laughs> uh, god, i've got worked on that just a little bit spot I got on like i was trying to tailor make it for your ones like saying you said they stole your half guard dvds I'm like well fuck i can't imagine you'd be happy about that <laughs> yo guys uh quick aside just speaking of jake's half guard dvds uh they'll all be linked in the description i'll have a link to his one in jiu-jitsu x lord of the half guard that just dropped um a month ago or something or was it two yeah, months maybe
1: ago two months ago i was out there filming with keenan and all those guys and uh yeah, I had, a, I had a great time. I was out there training with them too, and uh, there's a lot of good material on that DVD or on the course, on the online course.
0: Yeah, and I'll have all of his uh, ones from BJJ Fanatics. It's just a search bar, so it'll just go into uh, – I just search Jake McKenzie, and then all five of the, all five or six – is it five or six that you have on Fanatics? Uh, I Fanatics?
1: I think I got four in English and then a couple in Portuguese too.
0: Yeah. How good is gringo passing? That's one of the ones I haven't got. I have uh, what's it killer, killer counter attacks and reverse half guard.
1: Yeah. Oh, well. So I did the, the passing one. I was, uh, I think it came out really good. There's a lot of, I cover like a wide array of like different situations. And my passing style is a little bit different, kind of similar. Like my jujitsu off, off my back is a little bit weird too. Um, like I play a lot of like reverse half guard deep and I've got a couple like strange positions that I use on top. Um, they give people a really hard time because they don't really encounter them that often, you know, and it's funny actually, because I teach them in class and I had a, a training partner of mine, one of the students at the gym I was at in uh, Ohio, and he was like in his fifties, super tough guy, Joe Paul versus his name. And uh, he would use one of my positions on me, one of my passing positions. And it would give me a hard time all the time because I, people don't usually do it. It's kind of a weird position and it's from the half guard. And he was really good at it, you know? So, like, uh, some of the stuff on there is a little bit unorthodox, but there's, like, a, I guess there's a method to my madness uh, on that DVD. It's, I, I liked a lot of the stuff that I showed on there, and it's stuff that I use all the time.
0: Man, I got, like, one half-guard past my name. It's the one Vitor showed me. I still fucking use it to this day. It's just, like, smash knee shield, grab the collar, and just mush into them.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he, he can do that to everyone. That's the scary thing. <laughs> he's done that to me a lot of times. So I know it works.
0: I bet you there's like an indent of his shoulder right in your in your forehead like a perfectly like his his shoulder would perfectly fit on this little indent in your forehead because he's put it there so much.
1: Oh man, he's got some of the he's got some of the nastiest pressure I've ever felt, especially for someone his size. He's you know, he's very muscular, but he's not a huge dude. He's a couple inches shorter than I am. We're about the same weight. But man, his uh it's crazy because people talk about his pressure all the time and about his top game because He's one of the best in the world in that area. But the crazy thing is his guard is just as good as his his top game. He just doesn't really play it in competition.
0: Like, man, I bet you that'd be a good curveball to throw someone. They'd be looking at Vitor's videos like, oh, I bet you you if uh, if I took him down or if he pulled guard, he couldn't do anything. Then if he pulls guard and just fucking annihilates you, you're like, well, shit, I didn't think about that.
1: I've been telling him to do that for the last two years. I'm like, man. I was like, your fucking guard is phenomenal. Why don't you just go to pull guard? Like, you'll completely like throw the people off. And he's like really good at like the new. Like, he's really good at the old school guards, like half guard, butterfly guard, close guard. Um, especially, I'd say like butterfly and, and half guard. He's really good at those two. Man, he's got a nasty lapel guard. Oh man, he's taught me for two years from the lapel guard. I'd want to. i he'd give me the lapel guard. And be like, no, not again. It's not gonna <laughs> happen again. You can't get away from him. You know. <laughs> I bet, started, you, I, bet yeah.
0: you, I bet you he's just saving it for a special occasion. Just because like, that trick will only work once, really. Like, I bet you uh, if he has one stellar performance with a
1: guard sequence, people will get wise to it. I don't think so. Because the thing is, is like when you, this is the thing right? when you have somebody that's that good on the feet and that good at guard passing, you know, people that are guard players are going to think twice about how they're going to pull him to guard for two reasons. They don't want to pull him with a bad pull where they're going to get passed. Or they don't want him to time the takedown. So people are already cautious when they, like... All the time when I would train with them, I'd be like, okay, I've got one shot at pulling guard on him. And if I don't do this 100%, he's going to land in a good position, he's going to smash my guard, or he's going to throw me and land on the side mount, which is a bad option too, you know? And then when he surprises you, you pull guard when he pulls guard on you, a lot of times you're not ready. You're like, oh, he's going to take me down, he's going to pass my guard, and then he pulls guard, and you're a step behind already, you know? I think... Him having that many dimensions to his game, that many layers, I think it makes it really hard for you to predict what he's going to do, you know? Because he's so good at both, he could just switch it up. He'd be like, okay, I pulled guard this last time and messed the guy up. Now I can fake the guard pull, go for the takedown or vice versa, you know?
0: (laughs) No, I get you, man. But see, man, I'm not even joking that if... Like, it's like like an ace in the hole you know it's like a do you ever see like these formulaic shows like oh my god there's a fucking horror like this is just a basic cookie cutter thing for most shows nowadays oh no terrible evils here let's bring out this super duper secret weapon that we didn't use for any other fucking problem we had before let's use it now because why not that's like vitor pulling guard like let's use this super secret weapon we've never used before but let's just just use it now and never use it again (laughs) i hope
1: he does bro i've I've told him for the last two years like he he told me, what do you think? Should I pull guard? I was like, I've been telling you that for a long time. You should do that. You get a wicked guard too, you know.
0: How about he meets you halfway? Does like, That fake guard pulls the ankle picks. Like, happy?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I want to see him play a whole match off of his back because I know how good his guard is. <laughs> I think this World Masters that he just won, I think he, I think he played every match on top. If he wanted to, I think he would have won if he would have pulled guard every match too maybe with all all
0: of, maybe with us just saying Vitor play guard for the past 10 minutes he'll do it I'll just send I'll take this clip out of context just send it to him he be like fine I'll play fucking guard Jesus <laughs> okay now the next question we got is from Oshie McCabe really good fucking half guard player in Ireland's had him on the podcast before he's like in your opinion who is the best half guard player or passer like who's your favorite who do you think is the best half guard player and who do you think is the best half guard passer in your opinion
1: half guard passer I know for sure Adolfo Vieira. Because I've trained with him a ton. I've never felt I've never felt pressure like that. And I know a lot of times training with Adolfo, it would be um he he'll play to your level. Like if he's if he came in and smashed me hundred percent every day, the training would be not competitive for him at all. It would be terrible for me because it'd be hurt all the time because he's so big, he's so strong, and he's so good, you know? Mm -hmm. So for half guard passing. I've never seen anybody that has even close to the pressure that he has, you know? Another really, really good half-guard passer that not a lot of people know about um, is Vinicius Mariam. He's one of the best guys I've ever trained with in my life. He's like a legend from our team. He's really well-known in Brazil. He was like the number one guy in Brazil. Didn't compete very often outside of Brazil. I think he got second at the Europeans, I think third at the Pan Ams. But he's a guy that... Man, I trained with him for f- maybe five or six years at GF Team because he lives in Qatar now. And he's somebody that would pass my half guard every single day. It would drive me crazy, you know? Um, but I definitely say those two guys. Um, and now for half guard players, uh, uh, Lucas Leitch, his knee twist machine. If he gets you in the knee twist, it's over. Um, there's some old school guys that are really good, like Bernardo Patel had a phenomenal half guard. Um, another old school guy Jamelon, Eduardo Jamelon had a really good half guard, I'm trying to think who else I'd say like modern day, definitely like Bernardo Faria and and Lucas Leitch they had the most success playing half guard at the highest level and it's funny because both of them were super specialists like Lucas Leitch plays knee twist and does about three moves off of it, but he's the best guy on the planet at those three moves and once he gets you into that spider web, you're not going to get out, you know Um, and then Bernardo Faria is the same thing. He was like a super specialist at like single legs and deep half guard and same thing. He had three moves that if he put you in them, you were screwed, you know? So I'd say for guys at the highest level that were the most successful, definitely those two guys, you know, Mm -hmm. now for guys that I like to watch, I'm like a really big Bernardo Patel fan. Masahiro Iwasaki from Japan is a friend of mine too. He's a really good half guard player. I really enjoy watching his matches I go to Japan sometimes to train with him. And it's always good. We bounce some ideas off of each other. And he's, uh, he's got a phenomenal half guard, too.
0: Mm. Man, I got to train with uh, Lucas Lecce one time. Like, I went to one of his seminars. It was like a two-day weekend affair. A gi, gi class, a gi class. I'm, like, holy fucking shit. This fucking coyote guard is fucking decent. I love this. Oh, yeah.
1: You'll, he can snap your knee in that thing. He's got... That's, I don't, I've never trained with Lucas. I know Lucas a little bit. and We talk to each other. He's a super nice guy. But I've studied his game a ton. And nobody knows how to put um, nobody knows how to put pressure like he does, you know, on the knee. There, he's he's the best in the world at that game.
0: Mm. Like, there's a reason he calls it a knee torque half guard for a reason. Like, that's like the abridged version. He said it. It's like, hey guys, it's like a knee torque half guard. That's a ter- <laughs> okay. I swear to God, that's what he sounds like. I'm not, not trying to be mean or rude, but he was saying half guard a lot when he was training with us. <laughs>
1: He's an animal, bro. He's a half-guard legend. He's, uh, I've only got to know him the last couple of years. Me and, my, me and my wife went up to talk to him at a tournament, just told him that we, I was a big fan of his, and so was my wife, and he talks to us all the time at the tournaments. He's a, he's a super cool dude, and he's a legend in the sport, man. We got tons of respect for him. Me and my wife have watched his video, his highlight video, easily over 100 times, you know, just mm. to study and learn from him. My wife is really good at the style of half-guard he plays.
0: Mm. Oh man, like, see, did you ever just comb through YouTube? Like, one time I was just combing through and I saw Marcelo Garcia versus Lucas Lecce and I never clicked on something so fucking quick in my entire life. Like, man, i got to watch this fucking match right goddamn now.
1: (laughs) It was a good match, too. 100%. Oh
0: man, oh, just a quick aside. What's the best match you've seen, like, lately, as of note? One I watched one of these on my way to college like two weeks ago. It was uh, Adam Vorzinski versus Keenan Cornelius, and man, that was a fucking day. That was a fucking awesome match.
1: Was that at the Europeans? Yeah, it was
0: at the Europeans uh, earlier this year.
1: I watched that a little while ago. It was a really good match. Um, let me think, man. Honestly, off the top of my head, uh, I don't really watch a lot of no gi. I watch a lot more gi jujitsu than I watch no gi, but like. You yeah, got me on the spot here with a question. One of the best matches that I've seen this year was uh, Dante Leon versus Gary Tonin. I thought that was an awesome match.
0: Yeah, damn it. I have to look into I more of that Dan, was a Dante really good Leon.
1: Match. I, thought, I don't know much about him. Yeah, he's, he's a good friend of mine. He's from Canada too. He's GF team. So we trained together a bunch. He, uh, when I was living in Ohio, he'd come stay with me. Or I'd go up to his place sometimes. And... Um, yeah, I thought him and Gary Tono was one of the best matches I saw this year. Um, Jaime Canudo's had some really exciting matches this year, too. Jaime Canudo fought uh, one of the Muniz brothers, Alex Muniz, at the Grand Slam a couple of weeks ago. I thought that was a really good match. His match with Gustavo Batista on Third Coast was really good. I thought he got screwed in that match. I thought the referees made, like, some really bad mistakes, but the mistakes aside, like, if you look at the match, the match was super exciting. Mm.
0: Speaking so, of Jaime uh, Canudo, Speaking of Jamie Cunido, he sent me in a question. <laughs> it's like, oh no what, way. Yes way. It's like, uh ask Jake what his goal in jiu-jitsu. Uh, what is his goal in Jiu Jitsu? What's what was the best championship of his life, man? I can't fucking read, and the thing is uh, blown up right in front of me. So, you know, just uh his goal in Jiu Jitsu, best championship of your life. Shoot.
1: Um so Jaime is one of my uh Jaime's one of my best friends. We lived together for Frank, man, I lived with Jaime for seven or eight years in Rio. We lived in the gym for a long time. Then we lived outside the gym in different apartments. We were roommates for a long time. And we trained together for years and years. Uh, I was with him in Brazil uh, a couple weeks ago. We trained for about a month together. So it was awesome that we hadn't trained for, like, we hadn't got to train every day for maybe, like, two years. Um, My goal in jiu-jitsu is just to compete as long as I can and uh, keep having good results. Uh, I'm 35 now. I'm going to be 36 next year. And I've um, still been competing internationally, sometimes at adult. Sometimes at masters now too. Um, especially in the AGP, there's really good money. Like you win the Grand Slam, you get $3,000 first place for Master One. Um, so yeah, I'd say like my, my goal right now is just to stay healthy and compete at the highest level I can as long as I can. And I'd say my best tournaments ever, I'd say I'd say the World Pro. Uh, where I got silver. Um, me and Jaime actually got to the semifinals together, so that was really really cool. Um, that was a really good tournament. I fought Lachlan Giles first round. Um, I ended up beating him, and then I fought uh, another guy the second round. Um, then Max Lindblad in the third round, and then me and Jaime were able to get to the semis together, which was the goal of the tournament. You know, so that was really really cool that me and him were able to do that. Um, and then. I'd say Master Worlds. I had a really good Masters Worlds to do the first year I did it. Uh, I beat Keishio in the finals and I had a really good match in the semifinals. I think I did six matches that day. Um, but yeah, my goal in Jiu-Jitsu is just to compete as long as I can and, you know, until the wheels fall off the wagon. <laughs>
0: oh man maybe just a quick aside maybe watch the movie painter wagon maybe that'll uh fix maybe that'll be like a mixed <laughs> mixed metaphor sort of affair <laughs> oh man but once he said jamie i was like man i gotta pull up i gotta pull up the shit jamie sent me it's like reverse joe rogan yo jamie pull that shit, shit up by jamie he's
1: no, I gotta... the man bro he's the man I, it was awesome i got to train with him when we were there and it... It's always good whenever we're training together because uh, we were training partners for so long that we always bounce a lot of ideas off each other. So it's funny. Jamie showed me some really good stuff uh, while I was in Brazil. I was, I've was i been drilling it all week with my, with my wife. Um, so all the stuff he showed me I've been trying to put into practice. So next time we train, I'll be able to be a little bit better at it at least.
0: <laughs> hopefully bro i'll uh, see i got a good one here by uh rob Orlovsky's he's like hey jake uh, how do you balance competition training staying at w- uh, brackets staying away from injuries and earning money from teaching and competing on your own competing and your own relationship goals how long do you think you can keep competing at the top thanks sir uh thanks he says
1: um man honestly i'm, I'm like i said i'm 35 now and i feel really good like So I I did change my training a little bit because I had a full-time job in Ohio. Before, I would just work with seminars and stuff like that. So whenever I needed money, I'd go to Europe or the States for a couple of months and try to book a whole bunch of seminars. And then I would have like a nest egg of money where I could just use that to compete and to live off of. Um, And when that money started to get a little bit low, I would plan another trip. Sometimes I come to Canada. Sometimes I go to the U.S. Sometimes I go to Europe. Uh, I was going to Asia a little bit too. Um, so when I moved to Ohio and I had a full-time job, it was a little bit different because I was teaching three times a day. Um, I had private lessons, some different stuff on my, on my plate, you know? Um, so I think my, there I was training like four times a week really hard. And then I would, I was kind of tired because I would teach the classes and I'd lift weights. I would do different stuff, but I really changed my, uh, my training. But I was just in Brazil for a month, and, man, I was at the pro training every day with the guys that were 20 years old. Were the top guys in Brazil, and I felt really good in the training. I could throw down with everybody. I didn't feel like I was, you know, I didn't feel like I was a step behind from my age at all. Um, so I think I'm going to try to compete as long as I can. I really don't know how much longer I can go, you know, but my body feels really good. I think I take really good care of my body, knock on wood. Like, I do tons of, like... Um, not even rehab but like prehab stuff like for my knees for my neck for my back I do a ton of stretching I try to eat fairly good I'm always training I train all year round so I'm never taking time off like always drilling always sparring I think I train a little bit smarter than I used to like when I'm hurt I know where I can train specifically in situations where it's not going to force those parts of my body um kind of the extremes but I'd say just I think from the the amount of time I've been training I think I'm a little bit better at juggling all of those things now you know but like now it's going to be nice I'm going to have probably a year off I was going to open a school up here in Canada but with the pandemic it doesn't make any sense to to do something right now you know you got to wait till the vaccines come out and some of the the lockdowns are a little bit you know um, behind us but uh, for right now I'm just going to just focus on training and uh, there's some competitions coming up that I'm trying to gear up for so me and my wife have been trying to like crazy here in the lockdown, trying to get ready for those. So when the competitions do come back around, that we'll be ready.
0: Mm. Oh and I got uh, just one last question here from Reddit. It's like, why does he still do it? It's half guard stuff when we all know half guard is the worst guard in modern BJJ <laughs> jokes aside. Uh, what are the, some of the main differences between your half guard instructionals on Jiu Jitsu X and BJJ fanatics? Like what's the main uh, sort of difference between all the, all the ones on the different sites?
1: So, I'd say BJJ Fanatics, the last DVD I shot with them on Half Guard was... I shot the two volumes of Half Guard with them. Um, and those were the first two DVDs that I shot uh, with them. Then, I was supposed to shoot the volume three, but then with the pandemic and stuff, they were going to come to Columbus to shoot with me. Um, but that got cancelled because of the pandemic. So, I'd say the the stuff I have on Jiu-Jitsu X right now is an updated version because... You know, I think the, when I shot the stuff, uh, with them was 2017, right after the worlds. Um, and so three years later, I, I definitely think my half guard has changed a lot. I'm always trying to study the position. And, um, honestly, during the lockdown, when we were in lockdown and, um, when I was living in the U.S., I S I didn't have to go to work for like three months and I was going a little bit shackwacky. I did have one training partner that I was training with a lot. I know he was being safe. I was being safe too. So we trained in my garage. Um, but I got really into studying Keenan. Uh, I was never really, I'd watched Keenan, but I really, his game never really, it was never something that I figured that I would, I would try to apply to my game. And I ended up watching a couple of videos of him teaching stuff. And I was like, man, this guy's a really good teacher. And honestly, I have a really hard time learning from people off the internet, like on YouTube or different things like that. I can, I'm much better at watching matches and picking up what the person is doing and then trying to figure it out without somebody explaining it to me but I ended up watching a lot of Keen and I was like man I'm gonna get Keen online so I paid for the monthly thing and I started using it all the time and I was like I had I'd had four or five other monthly subscriptions that I'd looked at a couple of times and then after a month I would cancel them because I just would never use them you know and man I on and just uh, honestly I ended up paying for the year for Keenan online because it was a better deal and there was more material you, you could get that some of the stuff that wasn't um, available to the people that paid from month to month. Um, so I did that and then I bought the lapel encyclopedia um, and I ended up incorporating a lot of the stuff, like a lot of the lapel guard, the worm guard, reverse Stella Worm, into my half guard. So a lot of that stuff is on the jujitsu X DVD for the half guard. Um, so it's just newer stuff that I've been working on. Um, but it was really cool when I was I was down there. Kino was hurt. His back was a little bit messed up when I was there. So we didn't get to train a ton. I got to roll with him a little bit um, when I was there. And he was super cool, man. He showed me some really uh, – we bounced a couple of ideas off each other. I had a couple of questions for him. Um, he showed me some really cool stuff from different positions that we kind of talked about. Um, but honestly, man, out everybody that I can learn from on the internet, I find like – you Know, like Lachlan Giles, Lachlan Giles is one of the best teachers on YouTube. He's a phenomenal teacher. He explains things so precise and he's to the point. He doesn't over talk, he doesn't under talk. But man, for some reason, I studied, I, me and my wife studied some Keenan stuff this morning that I trained for like two hours. I just think I think he's got a really good way that he explains jujitsu, and I think, uh I think his concepts, his understanding of mechanics is just is really good. And I, I for me, I, w- I was able to connect with that. I think that was like a really good tool that I had um, over the lockdown. So I kind of got away a little bit from the question, but I'd say that's the difference with the two courses. The course on Jiu Jitsu X has a lot more lapel stuff uh, incorporated into it.
0: Mm. lapel stuff why didn't you say sooner man i'm gonna fucking i'm gonna drop everything and get your fucking lord of the half guard because i love (laughs) i love all the names that he's fucking showed that did you come up with lord of the half guard or did he no
1: they came up with that man they so it was funny we shot the whole dvd and uh his partner miha who's a really good guy came in and he was like he was like hey he's like what do you can i pitch you an idea he's like you can just tell me if you like it or not and he pitched me the idea and i was like yeah that sounds super cool and then a couple days later, maybe like a couple weeks later, they sent me the artwork. I thought it came out really cool. Those guys are really on to something, man. They, uh, they've got something special there, and I think it's uh, it's really cool what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And honestly, uh, I had a great time training at Legion when I was there. Um, I hadn't trained at another person's school in a long time because a lot of times I'm either going for a seminar or I train at the GF Team Affiliates. And I was like, man, I hope these young guys are going to try to rip my head off, you know? Um, and, man, him, all the instructors there – all the students were were awesome. I'd, uh, if anybody's in San Diego and they want a good place to train, uh, that would be one of my that would be like one of my top recommendations. Them and Nine Nine with uh, Eduardo Tellis, those guys were super cool too. But um, yeah, I had an awesome experience training with those guys. I learned a ton of jujitsu too.
0: God damn, man, that, was, that sounds like I'm so fucking jealous. You got to train with Keenan and all that, man. I'm fucking you have no idea the jealousy that's exuding from me right now. It's really fucking driving me crazy. <laughs> Okay, so guys, reach a segment of the podcast I like to call a round of specifics. It's just a bunch of random questions, some about jiu-jitsu, some aren't about jiu-jitsu. So Jake, do you want to do a round of specifics? Yes, absolutely. Man, one time someone said no and I was like, Well shit, what the fuck do I do? Were <laughs> <laughs> they serious? No, nah, they're just fucking with me. But like uh, my camera wasn't working so and neither was there, so I couldn't tell because, you know, i got the facial cues. I'm like, well, sure. fuck me. Uh, I guess episode's over then. <laughs> okay, so Jake, what would you say is your favorite key in your collection? Uh,
1: my Judo Fly, I'd say two, Hyperfly. So that, I think they, they changed it. The Judo Fly 3, I actually have that, and that's why I've been using it to compete in um, because it's up to all the standards and stuff like that with the IBJJF. But either the judo fly two or three, if, if anyone's looking to buy a new gi, it would by far be my best recommendation for a gi. It's an awesome gi. And your training partners will hate you because it's so hard for them to grip at.
0: <laughs> oh, man See, some, some fucking gis feel like sandpaper, especially if you like lapel chokes or like the fucking baseball bat chokes and shit. Like, man, your fucking lapels are fuck. They're like sandpaper, man. It's just like, if it, leave a mar- if it leaves a mark, you've done the job right. <laughs> That's right i'll do it what color in particular like what color is uh, your favorite key of it
1: uh, i always bounce back and forth like i used to always compete in blue and then i always competed in white for a couple of years i've been competing in black this year so i i like the black keys uh i like all of them i just kind of depends which day it is either <laughs> white blue or black
0: <laughs> like man people give me shit for having 20 keys and they're like man you only need seven or seven days a week but um sometimes there's fancy geese for special occasions, so like.
1: Sure. You want to switch it up? You don't want to look the same every day.
0: Yeah, like, uh, like, here's one thing I did lately. Uh, I, I got this idea from Kent. It was tie dye geese.
1: Sure.
0: I got, okay, some of them turned out really shit, and some of them turned out really good. Like, because I just did it myself, so I have to say the ones that turned out good are really fucking good. So, <laughs> you know that you know I like that because like unique geese and shit. Do you ever like uh consider tie dyeing them, or is that more? Has Kent not sold you on that idea yet?
1: <laughs> he hasn't sold me on that idea yet. He asked me when I gave him the black belt if he could wear a tie-dye gi to the ceremony and, uh, or to the, to the graduation. And man, I'm, I'm super relaxed with everything. I did not care less what type of gis they wear. And I told him, I said, so let's just wear just the white gi just for the black belt grading. I said, just because, you know, you're new to the team. I want Julian to see if he sees the graduation picture that you're not in a tie-dye gi. I said, you can wear a tie-dye gi Three hundred and sixty-four days out of the year, I'm all for it. And I said, just not on the day I'm going to give you a black belt. So it was good. He was all cool with that. But Kent's the Kent's the man. He's the he's the master. The, the tie dye with uh, tie dye and the geese.
0: Well, mm. oh, man, see, I bet you he was wearing a tie dye rash guard though, just just to stick it to the man. <laughs> <laughs> He was
1: probably thinking twice about it,
0: he probably thinking, man, I should show up with a tie-dye gear. <laughs> uh, that would be, like, uh, what's it? Imagine, I could imagine if he did that, like, okay, Kent, I know I said I was going to give you your black belt, but you're just getting another stripe on your brown belt just for that. Ah, just as of that, what's it up? Uh, Who would you say is the most famous person you've rolled with? Guy Ritchie. Oh, yeah, I forgot Guy Ritchie does jiu-jitsu, and he wears, like, uh, clip-on ties because he doesn't want to get strangled. <laughs>
1: Man, I trained with him when I was a Purple Belt in California. I trained with him. I was in Beverly Hills. I was at a gym there. And uh, there was a couple of Brazilian guys living at the gym. And I stayed there for maybe a month. And uh, inside the gym, we just sleep on the mats. And one of my friends was living there at the time. And, uh, and Guy Richie rolled up to the gym with, uh, with his, I think the guy's his best friend. Um, he's a, uh, he went to the Olympics for judo. I forget what his name is. I think Bobby is his name. Um, really good judoka. And it was funny because the instructor there told me, he was like, Hey, he's like, this guy does private lessons with me. This guy's like a director. He was married to Madonna at the time, I think. And he was like, don't hurt this guy when you're training with him. And, uh, man, we started rolling and I was like, kind of like flowing with him, and he was flowing with me. He was being super cool. And I like, wasn't able to do anything to him. And I was like, man, I'm going have to start kicking it up a little bit. Like this guy's pretty fucking good, you know? And we didn't try to kill each other, but we definitely picked it up, the two of us. And, man, Guy Ritchie has legit jujitsu. jitsu Legit jujitsu. jitsu I'll put my hand up and, and say that for sure. I'll tell anybody that. At least when I rolled with him when I was a purple belt, you know, he was badass. And I was a really good purple belt, man. Like, I won the Pan Ams, U.S. Open. I got second in the Brasileiros. Um, I had some really good results. Like, the week he came and rolled, I won the U.S. Open in California. I had five matches, you know. And I roll with him, and he's, he's badass. He's, he's legit.
0: And, man, I say it's good because Guy Ritchie is in, like, a position where he's not – it's not like he's an Ashton Kutcher where if he broke his leg in a heel hook or something, he's, he can't do anything. Because if Guy Ritchie did break his foot, he could just sit in a director's chair with a walking stick and start screaming at everyone, and the job would still get done. Sure. And he's a badass director. I love his movies too. Oh, dude, what's your favorite Guy Ritchie movie? What, what, do, you, what do you like? Let
1: me think you gotta you gotta go with snatch snatch was awesome uh lock Stock, and two smoking barrels was really good i like this new that's, one. that's my one of i love kind
0: of i love lock Stock, and two one. so that one lock Stock, and two smoking barrels my favorite one because it's a bit more understated and stuff like it's very underrated in my opinion it doesn't get to due diligence as opposed to the rest of his uh, his movies like snatch okay. fucking amazing movie snatch but that's like the one everyone loves like oh yeah snatch 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 like man Snatch up a different movie. <laughs> Have you seen this new one, The Gentleman? Oh no, here's like uh, well this is a sad story. I was actually supposed to go out with a girl and see it one time, but then uh, she uh, for a second day, but she, then she never got back to me. I'm like, fuck's sake. But then I was I was just too pissed off to go see the movie then. I'm like, fuck me.
1: <laughs> well if you get if you get a chance to watch the movie, some people didn't like it. I watched it, I thought it was a really I thought it was a really good movie. I enjoyed it a lot. My buddy told me, he's like, hey, you should watch this movie. And I ended up watching it by myself at the house one night. And it was like, it was was a good time.
0: Mm -hmm. Lucky dude. So yeah, what's it, uh, what was your favorite TV show when you were growing up?
1: Um, let me think. Shit, I don't know, man. When I was a kid, uh, I always liked anime when I was a kid. I'd watch different anime. I'd watch, uh, I like Dragon Ball Z and stuff like that. As an adult, I'd say the best TV show I've watched is uh, True, De- True Detective, the first season.
0: Mm. Now, man, I got one serious question, and this will affect whether or not I edit the episode to cut out what's it, the things to paint your more favorable lights. F- who did you like in Dragon Ball Z? Was it Goku or Vegeta or Piccolo? Who'd you, who you got?
1: <laughs> I like Piccolo, bro. He, always, he was always training.
0: Yeah man, he 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 never he never went and died for seven years or got soft because he had a family. Piccolo was a fucking G from start yeah. to end.
1: He was he was always a hard worker. He was always training. I like that.
0: Yeah, see. One thing though, I really wish he uh got more onto Gohan about training because he went and got soft for seven years, I'm like, bruh. Nah, no, nah. Nah, no. nah.
1: He lost credibility in my books because of that.
0: Nah, dude, you don't go doing that. <laughs> And then you don't get a shit haircut and wear a green tracksuit pants like in that one movie. Do you remember? Not uh, not a good look. Not, very not good. (laughs) uh, Dude, but uh, what was your first video game console? What was your favorite game on it?
1: Um, First video game console. I had, uh, my very first was when I was a kid, I had this thing called a TurboGrafx. I don't know if they were, they only had them in Canada or what they were, but they were, I remember that I had that, but I think my favorite game growing up was, I really liked uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2.
0: Oh, dude. Did you see uh, they made like a remake of one and two on the PS4?
1: I bought that. I, oh, I played dude. that during the lockdown. I beat that in like, th- in a week. It was awesome, it's a wicked game. They did a really good job on it, those guys.
0: Man, I only have Pro-, Pro Skater 3 on the GameCube, but like man, uh, with, the, with the new remaster and shit, like, is it, is it, worth, the, like, is it worth it, like do, does it have your shining recommendation? Like they put a yes, sticker on absolutely. it.
1: absolutely. I, I felt like it took me like a couple of weeks to beat the whole game, so I beat one, two, and then there's like a, there's another one where you can do like speed goals and stuff like that. So I played it like religiously for like a couple of months. I was hooked on it. You know so I would come home from jiu-jitsu, and uh, I think my jiu-jitsu studying suffered a little bit because I would just play Tony Hawk for <laughs> at least a couple of hours, but it was uh, definitely a really good time. Now, i would definitely recommend it for anybody who's looking for a fun game to play
0: uh so they, soon they'll put a sticker on the box saying jake mckenzie says play this game and all the skater <laughs> dudes or normal people be like who the hell is jake mckenzie and then they'll look <laughs> into like oh yeah he's he likes strangling people but see <laughs> did you ever uh, see the game uh, tony hawk ride it's like uh you st- they have like um a plastic skateboard comes at the game and like, it has motion sensors on the sides. So you have to like properly drag your foot in the floor to make the skateboard go in the game. Like, it's really fucking cumbersome. So, I'd I'd love to see video of you playing that. I think that would be really funny.
1: Well, I know that I saw an interview about Tony Hawk on this a little while ago on YouTube, and he was just saying how that that was just such a mistake for them to do because the mechanics of the game were all fucked up, and you know, so I probably hurt myself on that thing.
0: <laughs> oh man and it's so funny because in they have a little video before you like once you put, put in the game video plays tony hawk has this, has this control controller's like yo guys this is the most advanced game controller ever and they're just trying to make you think what's it uh that it wasn't a mistake buying this uh plastic hunk of shit no disrespect to tony at all but like that was a mistake like like you mentioned i think he admits it now
1: so we'll, we'll sweep it under the rug yeah
0: you know yeah, it's it's been i it's been long enough. You can you can look back at it and be like, yeah, that wasn't the best idea. <laughs> oh, man, uh what would you say Ah, <clears throat> oh, sorry. It's really cold and shitting here. So oh, man, uh, what would you say is your most embarrassing injury you've ever had, would it be a jiu-jitsu injury or a non-ji jitsu injury? Just the way you got injured was just really fucking stupid. Uh,
1: man, me and my buddy were here in Canada, it was a Brazilian guy that was living with me. And he was my training partner for like six months. And I didn't really have anybody to train with. I was living in like a small little town where my parents are from. So I ended up bringing one of my friends from Brazil. And I was like, hey, you can come stay with me. I'll get you a couple of seminars and stuff like that. And we'll just train. I was like a purple belt. And so was he at the time. And we went to the gym one night. It was just the two of us. There was nobody in the gym. I had the keys. And, uh, And we had done like, I don't know, like seven rounds of sparring. And... No, he done six rounds of sparring. And I had won three rounds, and he won three rounds of the sparring. Points-wise, I was counting in my head. And I was like, hey, let's do one more. He said, no, nah, I don't want to do another one. I was like, come on, let's do one more. And we were always, like, ultra competitive in the training. We would try to kill each other, you know. And, would, and lots of times the training got heated, you know. And he was like, no, nah, I don't want to do another one. I was like, come on, let's do one more. And I kept on, like, egging him on, which is <laughs> stupid. And, man, the last, like, ten seconds of this seventh roll we did in the seventh round. It was tied. I think I'd swept him, he'd swept me. And we stood up and we both tried to double leg each other at the same time. And we rammed our heads like two billy goats. And he split the top of my head open. I, I had to go to the hospital. They put eight staples in my head. And I completely closed his eye. They thought I broke his orbital bone because my head hit him in the face. His eye swolled shut as soon as I hit him. And this... And I, I looked on the ground, there was blood all over the ground, and uh, and I was like, oh man, I cut you, I'm sorry. This, and he was like, no, I started looking at his face, he wasn't cut, and I started to touch it, I felt like I had like a big V in my head. Yeah, so that was, that was probably one of the, well, that's the one that comes to mind at least.
0: Oh man, like, something's, like, uh, I split both my fucking uh, eyebrows open, like right right below the eyebrows, so I don't even have a cool scar over the eyebrows, like. Just below here. The two of them, both by headbutts. One, because your man is kind of single leg me, I level-changed at the same time and fucking headbutted him. And, like, his, uh like, the fucking sharp part of his head here went right up there. I'm like, for fuck's sake. And then another time I was breaking someone's posture and closed guard and it sort of hipped up at the same time. And I'm like, fuck's sake. The same place. No good. And neither, like, I could deal with it <laughs> if it went through the eyebrow and you'd get a cool scar. But, man, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> you know I bet you you have a cool scar on your head when uh, if you shaved your head
1: I do I have a big V in my head people will look at it and they'll be like what's that from I'd be like yeah it's from a headbutt."
0: no they think it's V for Vendetta or something
1: I wish bro that's an awesome movie too
0: <laughs> uh, dude that's underrated that doesn't get it's its fair share in my opinion 100,000% one
1: of the best movies I've seen for sure
0: hmm I See, and I like that they didn't show you your man's face. They still left a bit of, you know, mystique and mystery to it. I like that they didn't show your man's face in it because they said he doesn't have a face because he's fucking burned and shit. You don't want to see that. I know. I still would have liked to see his
1: face, so I'm still curious.
0: Uh, They show it in the comics and stuff.
1: Do they? Yeah. I'm going to Google that as soon as as we're done the podcast. That's the first thing I'm doing. I'm going to Google his face.
0: <laughs> oh man, if you could ban one guard or position from competition, what would it be and why?
1: Um Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I would ban any guards.
0: You wouldn't you wouldn't ban 50-50, but that's become the most popular one lately. It used to be when i asked ask people that question, it used to be lapel guard because everyone hated lapel guard, but now it's fifty-fifty because people just they just they just everyone hates fifty-fifty now. In they ban it, they say.
1: Well, I'll tell you right now, I think I think people hate 50-50 because they're not good at it. Like that's the thing, like
0: oof.
1: Shots <laughs> <laughs> fired. I think like if you get somebody that's really good at 50-50, like, man, like Jaime Canuto is not a fifty-fifty guard player, you know? but he's really good at getting out of it, you know? And I've had him in 50-50 tons of times, and it's usually not very advantageous, you know? Like, man, I trained with... I I lived with Ryan Hall for a year and a half total at his house. He's one of the best 50-50 guard players in the world, you know? If he gets you in 50-50, you're in hot water. So I learned a lot of really good tricks from training with him there. Like, 50-50 doesn't really bother me. If I land in 50-50, I feel fairly comfortable. But I think a lot of people really just focus on the points. Like, Oh, I'm going to just try to get up and secure the points and do like the teeter totter battle. But I think if you know how to play the position, I don't think, I don't think it's a staller's position. Like I think there's really good foot locks. You can hit off of it. Um, I think there's really good back takes, transition sweeps, guard passes. I think it's just a matter of knowing how to play the position. And like, I'm not super great at it, but I have a basic like fundamental idea how, how it works. And I've been stuck in it lots of times too, you know, but I think, uh, I don't think it should be banned at all.
0: I think it's a great position. Mm. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, see, like you said about the teeter-totter battle, like, what the fuck, uh, it just looks ridiculous, like the butt the butt fight. Like, uh, I, I learned a detail off of a Christian Woodman C one time when he came to our gym for seminar. It's called the Battle of the Butts, where he's, like, talk about your, the way you hip like hip switch one way, then back the other way to, like, secure a better sort of hip placement and stuff so you it'll be, like, more advantageous. Then you can win the four, sort of 50-50 battle way easier. And ever since doing that I'm like the rare occasion I do go to 50-50 I'm like well that's how that's how I win so I don't comp- I don't complain about 50-50
1: <laughs> Sure no, I think it's I think there's like some man one of my main trainer partners in uh, in Ohio Italo Italo Linz he just won Masters Worlds he's a stud and uh, man he's got one of the nastiest 50-50 foot locks I've ever seen and it's called the Linz lock his last name is uh, Italo Linz and it's not like a straight foot lock at all it's like almost like a modified toe hold and man he's tapped me with that like a tons of times and like I'll tell you right now for him it's definitely not a stalling position if he gets you in 50-50 you better get a hold of his sleeves or not he's going to rip your foot off you know <laughs> so i think it's just a matter of knowing how to play the position you know some people like i'm not a very good open guard player i'm, ter- I'm terrible at spider guard i don't have a very good delahiva you know um, it's not because it's not because those positions aren't good. It's because I'm not very good at them, you know? Um, but I think, yeah, I think 50, 50 is a good position.
0: Um, mm. uh, man, uh, Jake, do you have any, uh, any nicknames in the gym, Renton?
1: Um, uh, yeah, at the gym, I, I it's funny because in Brazil, people don't know how to say my name that great. So a lot of people call me a uh, Jacobi. They try to say Jacob and that's how they say it. So I don't know if that's really a nickname, but that's how they pronounce my name. Um, Trying to think what else they call me. They call me Gringo Safado sometimes which, which means Naughty Gringo. <laughs> naughty Gringo. Like, naughty well, Gringo is my nickname I... in the gym. A lot of people call
0: me that. Why do they call you Naughty Gringo? Do they think you're on uh, the fucking naughty list or something? You're not gonna get you're gonna get you're uh, not you gonna know, get for
1: Christmas. Because, I think it's cause I, I speak pretty good Portuguese and uh I don't know, I can speak hood Portuguese like they like they do at the gym. So they call me Naughty Gringo, I think is what they call me. Right, no. uh... Naughty gringo.
0: <laughs> okay, so Jake, uh, we're nearing the end. I got two more phenomenal questions. These are the best questions I've saved for the end. Sure. First and, first and foremost, in your professional opinion, do you think you could pull off a handlebar mustache?
1: Oh, I've, I've had it before. The handlebar, I think I could definitely pull off. I've got the mullet going on right now. So I've been thinking I've like maybe like a Gary uh, Gary Tonin-inspired look with the with the handlebar. I'd have to trim it up, though. My mustache grows a little bit wild. But I think I could pull the handlebar off for sure. I'm confident. Yeah,
0: but, but he was sort of going for like a blonde Colonel Sanders sort of affair. So you'd need the chin fluff. I wouldn't go like uh, going to general or, or another sort of in-between. That I, I'd like to bring back is the, the what's it, the General Custer, where you've nothing on your chin but
1: everything everywhere else. So it's like ah uh, yes, I like that. I, that could come back for sure.
0: <laughs> the General Custer, the General Custer,
1: fucking <laughs> hell! I don't even know if it, that's
0: what it's called, but like, and I know General Custer didn't even have one of those beards; he had a mustache. But I don't, I don't care. It's funny. It's a good name. It'll do. <laughs> It'll or the chin, or maybe it's the General Lee. I think General Lee had one of those. I could be getting them confused or something.
1: Either way, if it's got General attached to it, it's a good, it's a good name for it.
0: How about the General Jacobe or Yakabu or however
1: you, <laughs> however they pronounce it? or I don't know.
0: Okay, uh, last question for the podcast, guys. This is a, you all know this is the best question ever. It's not just because I'm saying it's the best question ever. It's scientifically proven. <laughs> so, Jake, what would you say is your jiu-jitsu spirit animal if you have one?
1: Oh, shit. Yes. Let me think. Probably a snake.
0: Jake the snake.
1: <laughs> Jake the snake. It rhymes oh. is my first name. And uh I'm not very fast, but I've I've got a good squeeze to me, and a lot of my positions are all like close positions, so I'd say that. Probably a snake. That's a good question too. Like uh I used to have a different question for
0: the end piece, but I'm like that question's really long and it's very sappy and it's like the same answer every time. So I changed it up and with good reason because the Jake the Snake answer, I'm re I'm laughing and I'm not showing it, but I'm laughing on the inside because that's really funny and it's, you know it's good reference to old school WWF.
1: I love Jake the Snake Roberts. He was one of my favorites. Hmm.
0: I'm quite partial to Macho Man Randy Savage myself, but you know I'm biased because like uh, I sort of act Probably like him sometimes. I
1: love the Macho Man though. The Macho Man is the man. Ooh yeah.
0: <laughs> okay so guys since I've uh, embarrassed myself with my terrible impressions I think I'll leave it there but of course I'll have Jake's Instagram at Jake McKenzie BJJ follow him he just fucking look at his decent fucking stuff he has amazing fucking content there you know whenever he posts a new instructional or whatever also speaking of his instructionals they are all being in the description I'll have his BJJ Fanatics ones his uh, Jiu Jitsu X ones so whichever ones you want you can sort them out So, Jake, do you have anything to say before we shoot off?
1: No, I just want to thank you for having me on. It was awesome to chat with you. I want to thank everybody uh, for tuning in. And, yeah, anytime you want to do this again, just let me know. I had a great time.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot, Jake. And, guys, be sure to follow me and all my co-hosts on Instagram. They'll all be in the description as well because I'm too lazy to read them out right now because it's half 11 at night and I'm fucking tired and it's Christmas Eve nearly. So, also, Merry Jitsmas, everyone. Hopefully this episode will be out on Christmas Day in the afternoon if I get all the editing done, which should be should be grand. So thanks for listening guys. Hope you enjoyed. Oos.